This episode was recorded in the summer of 2020. Welcome to Seemingly Ordinary. It's a podcast about people who on the surface appear to be totally ordinary, but underneath the surface, they have very amazing things going. Sandy Kopecki just graduated from high school, and yet for three years, she has been the sole proprietor of a profitable and professional photography business. She has done senior portraits, special events, and was even trusted enough to be asked to be the photographer for a wedding. You can find her work at samanthakopeckyphotography.com. Today, we're going to discuss how Sammy created this wonderful business, grew her skills in a very difficult field, how she gets the word out, how she manages her finances, and why she does it, and where she hopes to take photography in the future. If you've ever loved photography or business or serving others, or if you just like an ambitious story about, or excuse me, a good story about an ambitious person, you will enjoy hearing from Sammy. Hey, Sammy. How's it going? Life is good. I would love to go back in time to your secret origin story. Can you tell me just a little bit about your family? Yeah, sure. Um, I am in a family of four. Um, I have some amazing parents, Rose and Chris, and a sister who will actually be a junior next year at St. James Academy. Her name is Sabrina. Okay. Um, well, yes. Tell me what type of a grade school kid you were. I was very energetic. I was the theater kid, so I was singing songs all the time. Uh, but I also played a ton of different sports and for some reason never seemed to get tired. And you're still kind of that way today, it seems to me. <laughs> yeah, not much has changed. Okay. So then you go to high school and what were you like in high school? Um, I'd say the same way, very, very energetic and uh, wanting to try new things. So I did uh, cross country and track. Those were some pretty big parts of my high school career. Um, and also I did forensic speech. I actually did that all four years. Um, and I was worried about Corona messing up uh, this last senior year. But actually, uh, forensics was the only activity that had a virtual nationals this year. So I was able to go to that. Um, I also did soccer and theater programs and book club. See, this really completely amazes me because you've got this photography business and the photography <laughs> business has done quite well. And there's just a lot of people who are not making excellent grades and they are not doing a sport and they are not going out for plays or for um, musical type things. And here you're doing all kinds of things like this. And then there's photography on top of all of that. How do you even manage your time? I, I, I'm going to get to that a little bit later. But, but first, let's just talk about photography. When did you start taking photos? Um, you know, I've been taking photos since I was little. I used to take them on my mom's, on my mom's camera. Or I used to take them on my iPod Touch back in the day. Um, but I got my first real camera, if you want to call it that. Um, at the beginning of 26 or the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. So like the middle of my freshman year. And that's where I started really going out and taking photos as opposed to just taking photos of family and friends. Okay. So tell an early story. Um, when I was first like with, with my camera, when I was first kind of figuring out what all I was doing, uh, my friend Alexa wanted to do, um, a Belle from Beauty and the Beast photo shoot. And I was super, super excited. Uh, we had roses. She had this beautiful yellow prom dress. She had a crown. It was going to be super cute. And uh, 
we ended up spending so much time getting ready that the sun set and we missed the entire photo shoot. And I got, I have one photo that is so grainy you can't even tell. And I remember being so upset because I was so excited for that photo. But um, I don't know. It was just, it was a cool, it was a fun opportunity to be able to do that. Did it ever happen? It actually didn't. Um, we tried to reschedule it three different times. And then eventually I think we just gave up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Did you just wake up one day and just decide, hey, I want to start a photography business? How did it all start? Yeah, so... As I started taking photos more, I learned a little bit more about photography and there's different types of photographers. You can be a macro photographer, which is um, taking photos of, of things like flowers and, uh, and animals and things like that. And then there's landscape photographers who will take photos of, you know, the beautiful world we live in. And I started to realize that I love taking portrait photography, which is just, yeah, taking pictures of people. And as I grew and recognized that that's what I wanted to do, um, I started taking a ton of pictures of my friends and then people started paying me to take pictures of them. And then like, without even realizing it, I suddenly just had a business. And then as I, as I figured that out more, I started to be proactive as opposed to just uh, having people ask me about it. Whoa, so how many customers do you think you actually had before you realized, wait a minute, I'm getting paid, this is a business? Um, probably at least six or seven. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of my first customers, um, which we'll get to in a second, I'm sure, but a lot of my first customers were actually some of my friends who uh, wanted to do senior photos but didn't want to pay for senior photos. So they, they paid me a very, very small amount. Uh, to take them for them and I kind of just was like oh this is just like a fun little thing we can do and I didn't quite realize that it was actually a growing business I just kind of was doing it because it was fun to do okay when you look back on that do you feel like maybe you were underpaid <laughs> I think with the experience that I had I think that I was overpaid okay looking, looking back at where I was and how little I knew about photography I am shocked that they paid me as much as they did because I think with that experience, I could have definitely done it for free. I just, I had a camera and I had Photoshop, but I didn't even know how to work it. So I was just messing with colors and stuff. Their, their faces were orange in the photos. So, <laughs> <laughs> Did any of those six people actually use those as their senior photos? Yes. Actually, the coolest feeling in the entire world was... Um, was when I got graduation cards from them and the photos that I had taken were on the front. And uh, we, my family got them and they all just sat there and they were like, these are your photos, like you took these. Just a really, really cool feeling. Oh my gosh, yeah, for that to arrive in the mail and then you open it up and boom, there it <laughs> is. And just a total surprise, it must have been absolutely delightful. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, your parents must have been very, very proud. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, it's good now, now that I've done it for a couple of years, I've got, um, I've had the same thing happening, but I went to a graduation party last week and somebody had printed off a really, really large scale version of one of the, one of their senior photos that I took, uh, and put it on like a, a really big poster board. So that was kind of cool as well. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So who is your first paying customer? Or if it's a better story, once it was officially a business, who is your first paying customer? Either way. Um, my, my very first customer uh, was actually December of 2017. So I'd had my, my little baby camera for maybe half a year to a year. And it was actually the Mendoza family. Um, they, they go to St. James. And they paid me $50 to take family photos for them. And that was like the first time I'd ever been paid and I wasn't just doing it for free. And it was so much fun because I was such good friends with them that, uh, yeah, we just, we went around and took photos for hours. And now my shoots have, have um, they're a lot shorter, but uh, I didn't know how long a shoot was supposed to be. So I, we, we, went, we went out to Crown Center for like four or five hours and just took a whole bunch of photos. And you just probably had a blast, the time of your life, and then at the end they handed you 50 bucks. Yes, it was fantastic. It's great. Um, now, how much would you ordinarily pay for family photos like that these days? There's, it's really hard to pinpoint an ordinary amount. I would say I charge anywhere from 150 to maybe like 200 or $300 um, for a set of family photos like at the place that I'm at. But uh, some really, really high-level professional photographers um, – in studios could charge as much as like 500 Okay, for the I gotcha. And of course, like if I were, I don't know, say Kanye West getting my photograph taken by a professional photographer, he might be paying $10,000 per photo or something. Oh, yes, exactly, yeah. Okay. So it totally depends. Okay, okay. How did the business grow from a $50 family photo? Just give <laughs> us the trajectory. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't do a paid shoot for almost eight months after that. Because I just, that was the first person that had ever paid me to do it. And I was still learning a lot. Um, and then fall of 2018, like I already explained, I had uh, a whole bunch of friends just ask me to take their senior photos. And again, they weren't planning on getting them done. But they just kind of offered me their own price ranges. And I think the first one I did was at 75 and then the second one I did was at 100 and then the next one I did was at 125 So they, they were all sort of around that range, but I didn't have a price range, so they just kind of gave me what they thought was right. And then after more people started seeing those photos and then asking me to take more photos, uh, I ended up setting a price range. And then after every, like, five or six people, I would just raise it $25. So uh, last year... So, so that was my sophomore year. Um, my junior year, I ended up charging, I think, 150 to $200. That was sort of my price range. And then um, the end of my junior year and then the beginning of my senior year and so on, I actually now have three senior packages that you can choose from. Uh, they range from 200 to $400. Um, I'd say most people choose the 300 or 400 And then um, they can select in there so you can you can add on extra for another outfit or another location or for family or for friends and uh, that's given me a lot of flexibility but uh, it's all about supply and demand and I just have enough demand from the market that I have the ability to raise my prices okay do you still kind of adhere to that philosophy that about every five customers if you're in demand you raise prices 
you know, I actually, um, I, I believe that I can raise prices more than I have them right now if I wanted to. However, I understand being a senior in high school or like being the parent of a senior in high school and most, most photographers in this gig are charging thousands of dollars. So I, I believe I could charge more, but at a certain point, I understand that like I'm making enough money that I need to be making. So I don't need to charge an extreme amount of money. So I've been sticking with these three packages for a while. And this gives me the flexibility that like, if I'm taking photos for a senior who may be struggling more financially, they can choose a smaller package. Um, I've also taken senior photos that have been up to 500 or $550 because they do add-ons and because they do things like that. So I think this grants me a little bit of flexibility to kind of understand the financial situation of a senior in high school or of a family of a senior in high school and just be realistic with that. Yeah, well, it's very kind of you. And you're, you had this whole spirit of learning and inquiry and practice, <laughs> and I just really appreciate that about you an awful lot. I, I want to ask, let's say I'm a senior and I want to go get my photos taken, but I don't want to hire another senior. I don't want to hire an 18-year-old. I want to hire a 35-year-old. What could I expect to pay around here where we live? Um, I actually, uh, before I really took off a lot of my photography business, although I, I still technically am, I actually worked with a senior photographer um, around the area who, who does, uh, professional photography. And she, she says that she generally ends up getting a minimum of about 1000 and a maximum of about 3000. Um, she's a lot more high end. Um, but th there are also a few that are in the 700 to $900 range as well. Okay. Fair enough. Do you see yourself getting there, say within the next four to five years? I am actually meeting on Friday with that photographer who I, I had a paid internship with um, the last couple summers. And she is going to work with me because she's actually getting a little bit older and she wants to uh, spend less time on her business. So she's actually going to work with me and work with how I can get some professional lighting and get some uh, more expensive uh, editing equipment, which is not necessary, but it is an opportunity for me to charge more. So I will actually be meeting with her and talking about that. And yes, possibly getting there in the next four or five years. Oh my gosh, Sammy, this is the perfect situation. This lady is better than a college education. Yes. I, I mean, she's a professional, she's a mentor, but she's also acting like a, a mom who just also really knows how to teach. Um, mm -hmm. Wow, it's the best of all possible worlds. I'm just so happy for you. It really is. She's fantastic. Okay, well, let's talk about getting that awesome shot or those awesome sets of photos where the senior and the family just loves what you've done. Obviously, people wouldn't keep asking for you to do work if they were looking at the previous set of photos that you've done and not liking them. People like your work. How do you go about getting that awesome shot? Yeah, so my my whole philosophy for photography, and honestly, one of the reasons I love it so much, is that when I'm doing these shoots, 
I just like them to be fun. Um, I've, I've worked with, but I've also seen a lot of photographers who are fantastic at composition and lighting and everything, but just working with like a senior, a lot of times the smile looks forced or they don't want to be there or they're just really nervous or it's just not as fun. Um, I think it works to my advantage that I am a young photographer because the seniors are a lot more comfortable with me and um, I play their favorite kind of music and we just have a good time. I also think like the joy and the laughing photos are what the family really, really loves. And I also think that that sets me apart from other photographers that just get a lot of smiling photos or serious photos. So, so to get the laughing photos, are those spontaneous? Like, I don't know, something funny happens. They start to laugh. You take a photo. Yes. I, uh, I actually, not many photographers, not many people who aren't photographers know this, but, um, for a senior photo shoot that I maybe get anywhere from 30 to 50 photos from, I would take about 600 photos. So uh, there's a lot of photos that are taken that are candid. And I also have, I have a lot of tips and tricks to keep people laughing and to keep people smiling and to keep people joyful. And I think the music helps a lot with that. Um, I also sometimes will bring along um, assistance for the shoot that are some of my friends that are pretty funny. So that's uh, another way to just keep people happy and just having a good time. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about special events. Um, tell me a special event that you have done the photography for. Yeah. Um, I shoot a variety of special events, um, and I have over my lifetime. Uh, the most recent one I did, actually, I shot for the Snowball, um, the Catholic Charities Snowball back in January. Um, I was also supposed to shoot for um, the Christian Youth Theater Gala this summer, but obviously that's been canceled. Um, I've, I've shot for um, different parties, plays, sports teams, uh, even a company-sponsored brunch. And one of the things I love so much about photography is that I don't just have to find one niche. So my niche is senior photos. Like, that's what I do primarily but I have the flexibility to do a hundred different things. So it's, it's really cool to have a, a company or, or an organization reach out to me uh, and be interested in that because it kind of causes me to expand my horizons. Uh, yeah. The snowball was really fun though. I got, a, I got a free ticket, so I got to eat all the food as well, which was you know, <laughs> the best part. And is that one of those Gatsby-style events where everybody is just dressed up to the nines? Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, there were there were some there were some people there in dresses completely covered in sparkles, some very fun outfits. I felt a little bit like I was at the Met Gala or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there was a point where you actually landed a wedding, and this just blows my mind that somebody would trust an eighteen-year-old to do their <laughs> wedding. It's just amazing. How did you manage to land a wedding? Yeah, so I actually. Um, I actually had two weddings on the schedule for this summer. Um, I wasn't able to do either of them. One of them has been rescheduled to next year. And one of them I just wasn't able to go to because of Corona. Uh, they just had to change a lot of things about them to make those happen. Um, but I had uh, a family friend reach out to me who has seen my photography since I, since my sophomore year and, uh, my sophomore year, they were like, Oh, you, you're doing a really a good job. And you know, this, this is nice. And actually, um, as I've continued, they've just been really impressed with how far I've come and they really wanted me to, 
uh, go out and take their wedding photos. They actually, uh, they were super excited about it and they went through a whole list of all the things they wanted me to catch. So that, that was really cool. And then the other one, actually, um, another photographer throughout the area, um, she's actually, uh, in her late thirties, I think. And she, uh, got pregnant. So she was due right around the time where the wedding was. And so she actually handed the wedding off to me, um, which I was shocked that she trusted me that much, but I was very honored. But, um, that one again also got canceled, but yeah. Okay. So how much does a wedding go for around here? Maybe like a low end price range to, of course, the high end price range is going to be infinity. I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, it ranges anywhere from, I mean, maybe the cheapest you could get would be like 900, but even that's kind of on, that's on the like really cheap side. Um, and then I'd say 2000 is pretty standard, but it could go any, it could be 10,000. It could be, you know, a lot. Right. Right. It's definitely a, a very different niche and it's a lot easier to make money in a day or two at a wedding than it is with a bunch of senior shoots. Oh, I'm sure. Well, there's a podcast that I like called Side Hustle School with uh, yeah. Chris Gillibo. And I think he featured a person who put up, he would photograph your wedding and he put up this ad on Craigslist. And it was the very first wedding that he'd ever done. And I think he was offering it for something like $800. And around where he lived, maybe prices were the same, like around two, dollars $3,000. He was shocked to find out that somebody accepted. And then pretty soon he's doubling, he's tripling, he's quadrupling his price. And then he basically primarily became a wedding photographer. Um, It's just amazing to me that people will accept a wedding photographer this way. But I guess if they've seen your previous work, that just tells the whole story right there. Yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) So congrats again on landing those, even if they didn't work out just yet. Well, I have a few questions about equipment, but the thing is, is I'm not very technical when it comes to photography equipment. In other words, I know nothing. So, (laughs) so you may want to help people out here. Like if they have an interest in this, but they don't know too much about the equipment, I guess, get us started on the basic level. Um, Photography equipment can be very expensive. Tell me a little bit about what you've used, where you've started, maybe where you are now. Sounds good. Um, if anybody has any questions about this, you're welcome to go to my website, uh, com, And I actually have a section called equipment where you can go on and it has pictures of all the equipment. And if you hover over the equipment or you click on it, it'll send you to not only what the exact size and model is, but, um, the place that I got it, where I got the best deal on it. So I, I actually put that up after, um, taking Mr. Webker's personal finance class because uh, it made me realize that if other people want to start a business like this, they need the, the resources and the personal favorites of the photographers that they know. Um, so I have two camera bodies and three camera lenses that I primarily use. So a camera body is where you would take the actual photo from, and the camera lens is where you'd be able to see through <laughs> to, to take the photo. Um, so the two camera bodies I have are the Nikon D750, which sells for about $1,500 and the Nikon D5000, which initially sold for about $750 to $800, but 
Um, it's a very old camera, so it, it sells for about $200, $300 used right now. Um, I really, really like both of them, but I will say that for the type of photography that I do, um, I actually really like my Nikon D5000. If I am shooting something like sports photography or if I'm doing a lot of events, it's really good to have the Nikon D750 because it's really, really quick and it works well and it's just an extremely nice camera body. Um, but the Nikon D5000, although it is definitely older, definitely a little slower, um, it has a very different um, sort of a, a color to it that I really like and I like using for senior photos and family photos. Um, so those are my two camera bodies that I use and I'd say I, I use them pretty evenly, but I do like the 5,000 a lot. So, um, the price of it doesn't necessarily mean, uh, the, uh, quality. Uh, my two, my three lenses that I have is I have the standard Nikon D 18 to 50 millimeter lens, which I don't use very often, uh, cause that's the one that just automatically comes with the camera. Um, and I have the Nikon D 70 to 200 millimeter lens, which is a little over $2,000, I think. Um, but I use that one for mostly for sports photography and for galas and events. Um, it also works really well, um, for portrait photos that I'm able to stand a little bit farther back for because it has a lower f-stop. I know that is a little more complicated, but, uh, it gives a little bit better of a background blur. So I like using that for those things. Um, and then my favorite lens that I have, um, this is another way that, uh, the price doesn't necessarily mean the, that it's the best, but I love the Nikon, uh, 50 millimeter lens. Just, a, uh, it's just a basic prime lens. It sells for about $200 and I use that for 90, 90% of my senior photos because, uh, a prime lens forces the photographer to find the best angle as opposed to a zoom lens, uh, makes it easier for the photographer, but there's less creativity involved. Okay, so let me ask this. When you started and people were paying you those first six customers and you didn't even know you had a business, did you already have expensive equipment? I had the Nikon D5000 and the Nikon 50mm. So I had a $300 used camera and then I had a uh, $200 brand new uh, prime lens. Okay. But that's so all I had. So $500, $500 worth of equipment and... The, the used camera I bought for $100 from a friend. So Okay, so so maybe $600 you had yeah. put into this? Well, and I suppose for some people, that's a hobby. And, you know, if people are willing to invest maybe $600 into a hobby that they really want to do, um, what about people who want to enter in just a little bit more cheaply than that? Is it possible to, to go into this just a little bit less expensively? Yes. So the biggest thing I like to say is that it's not about the equipment. It's about the photographer. There are photographers that use their iPhones and make money. Now it is, it is rare and it's difficult to do, but if you have, if you've taken classes and you understand how photography works and you have a creative aspect, you, it doesn't matter what camera you use. It matters how the photo looks. Now, there's something to be said about, about quality of photo and things like that that you just can't catch on like an iPhone or on a, on a smaller camera. 
Um, but, and that, that can definitely deter away from, uh, people paying you large amounts of money just because if they're going to pay you a large amount of money, they expect you to have an expensive, uh, set of equipment, but you can start as small as you want. You can start off with the cheapest camera. Um, I also, one of my hobbies during quarantine has been, uh, I have a black and white film camera that I have, um, get, I have received from a, some person that's connected in some way, like three, three different connections. And they basically wanted to give their film camera to someone young who was actually going to use it and not just going to, you know, buy it and then store it in a closet for a couple of years. And that camera, that camera is a hundred dollars and it's, um, you have to develop the film in a light room and things like that in a dark room. And so, um, you can use something as simple as that and do photography and even like sell your, sell your photography somewhere. So, um, let's talk about borrowing equipment. I, I thought that last answer was really helpful and very splendid. Um, how many people would have decent cameras that if a person tapped into their family or friends or neighbors, maybe they could find something? Yeah. So one of the, one of my favorite things to explain about my photography equipment is that my Nikon D750, so the one that's about $1,500, and my Nikon uh, 70 to 200 millimeter zoom lens, which is over $2,000, are actually both entirely borrowed. Um, and I, well, I like to buy equipment refurbished, which is also a really good idea. Um, but if you are, if you are ready to start a business and you are well connected throughout your community, there are so many people who are ready to, um, help you out in any way that they can. So the Nikon D750 and the, uh, Nikon 70 to 200 millimeter lens are actually both from a photographer at Aquinas. They're her backup cameras. So I, I have them a hundred percent of the time. And if she ever needs them for a backup for anything, then she can, uh, she can take them whenever she wants. But, uh, it's, it's a really cool opportunity to be able to use this equipment and not have to pay for it. And she's also like a really good mentor. Um, and I'm able to sort of return the favor by we sit for coffee and talk for five hours about photography. And uh, I send her pictures of my latest gigs and things like that. That's awesome. Just ask around. It's just such a good thing to do. You'll build up ties in the community. You'll be more social. You'll be able to help other people. They'll be able to help you. That's how I did P90X. I just asked around and I said, who's got P90X? And all these people were like, me, me, me. They were like, I did that for a week. That's exhausting. Well, so then I was able to borrow other people's P90X and I never bought my own copy until I got to day 70. Then I thought, I love P90X, so I'm going to buy it. But yeah, I could just wait forever. So so I, I like what you're saying. Uh, let's shift into work ethic. I'm just very curious as to what type of work ethic it takes to become a good photographer. Because I think for most people, they think, oh, I've got an iPhone, I can just take some snaps. I think, I think... If we're talking about being a photographer, I think we also need to talk about having a photography business. Um, I think you can you can spend absolutely no time and take one photo and call yourself a photographer. Um, but if you really want to work hard at photography and work hard at running 
your photography business, it's not a small job. It's a constant job. Um, if you're not taking photos, most likely you're working with presets or you're editing through Photoshop or you're communicating with your clients or scheduling new shoots or doing other things. And, um, I mean, I have gotten to the point where I'm, I'm editing all the time. I mean, you know, from my personal finance, from your personal finance class, I'd be editing during class. Um, and I'm still paying attention, but, uh, I'm editing during class. I'll be uh, editing late at night in the morning. Um, yeah, you just have to be really hardworking and you also have to be unafraid to, to take some risks and, uh, get up early as well to get that good lighting. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's a, basically it's a 24 seven thing and there's just a lot of components. You have to be good at scheduling. You probably have to be very good at record keeping. You have to be good at communicating with other people. Um, so here's another question. I just think when it comes to photography, there are so many things that people just wouldn't know. Um, for example, how do you get better at your craft? There are so many ways. Um, sort of back to being, in, being a photographer, um, one of the ways that you are a photographer is if you are constantly learning, constantly becoming better. So... Um, one of the great things about having the internet the way that we have it is there are so many videos on how to do a hundred different things. Um, there's tons of books. There is, you can talk to photographers all around the world who all have different advice and different stories and different ways to help. Um, there are a lot of classes that actually, I think there are classes that are necessary and there are classes that aren't necessary, but are really highly suggested. Um, cause there's classes to learn how to take photos and then there's classes learning how to take good photos. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, one of the biggest parts of getting better at your craft obviously is practice, but also shooting like outside of your comfort zone. Um, I shot, you can check, um, again on my website, samanthacopeckyphotography.com. Um, there is a section that is in my portfolio. I believe it's labeled projects. It is in my portfolio. And um, those are some of the projects that I've done that have definitely been very outside of my comfort zone. And they are a lot of times to take a stand about some of the social problems that are happening in our world right now uh, and in the past. But they're also pushing me a lot outside of my comfort zone with shooting with different lighting and different aspects and working with shadows and working with other facial expressions besides smiling. Um, so that's, that's kind of a little piece of my heart if anyone wants to check that out. But um, yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of ways that you can grow in being a photographer. And there's so many things that people don't know about, about the composition that goes behind every photo and all of the different editing that, that people just, yeah, just don't even realize. What other technical things come into play? Lightroom, I've just you just you watch so many videos because everything about Lightroom is about color grading and HSM and trying to sort of tone the photo that so that it looks the way that you want it to, and that's a little bit more creativity, um, but it's something you need to technically learn how to do before you can allow yourself to be creative with it. Absolutely. Where did you take your classes at, Sammy? Um, I took the Photoshop class at St. James, actually. And then I took 
Um, I took a photographer class that taught me how to use manual mode and taught me about composition and the rule of threes and things like that. Um, I took that at a freelance photography place in Kansas City, Missouri, somewhere. I don't. I wish I could tell you what it's called. It's just. I think it's just like freelance photography company or something like that. Um, and then also working with like the paid internship that I had a year or two ago um, was super helpful. Learning, I learned how to use like professional lighting, how to set up lighting equipment. Um, and also how to work with clients and run a business as well. I feel like the larger lesson people should be taking from this is that you were willing to look at YouTube videos, you were willing to take classes, and you've been willing to accept help from a mentor, actually maybe several mentors. That's at least three major avenues, any one of which could really be productive and really helpful for a person. You were just really willing to go to town in three different areas and I think that's partially what makes you so good. So how do you keep track of things like money coming in, money going out? Because there's all kinds of people making all kinds of money, but then they don't control their expenses. How, how do you manage to do the money? It is. It was not a process until about the beginning of my junior year. The When I first started doing photography and I started getting paid for shoots, I didn't keep track of anything at all. And when I had to, uh, when I eventually had to start paying taxes on that, um, then I had to completely redo everything I was working on. So that, that took me an extremely long amount of time, but I, I now have like some crazy organized spreadsheets. Um, I have, I have it pulled up right now because I've been scheduling shoots. Um, I have like a, I have a sheet that just explains what the shoot is, um, like who it's for, how much, how much it costs, um, and date, time and location and stuff. Um, and then I also have a profit and loss sheet as well. Um, and I write down all of my expenses on a different spreadsheet, but that transfers over to the profit and loss spreadsheet. Um, and that's where I'm able to put in my revenue and put in my expenses and sort of find my net income. It's definitely, it's definitely been a learning curve. Um, also filing my own taxes has been a very big learning curve as well, but, um, it, it took a long time for me to be organized, but now that I am organized, I keep everything very, um, very tightly scheduled and I keep it very clean and organized. I just love all the extra skills that have had to come along with a simple photography business. It's yes. just great. Well, one last question in this area. Um, how do you know what you're doing is financially worth it? I'm able to do what I love doing so much. I, I tell people this all the time, and I, I make sure that they've paid me first before I say this, but I say, if I could do this entire thing for free, I would. You know, it's, I mean, I'm glad that I'm making money off of it, but I, I would do it for free if that was the only option. Because I love what I do so much. And like any of my friends will tell you when I'm editing photos, I get so excited just because it's so much fun and it's so creative and it's just like a good niche for me to do. And the fantastic part is that like right now it's, it's my full-time job. Um, I mean this, this summer for the rest of this summer, I'll be having three, three shoots a week, if not more. So, um, it's, I mean, it's financially worth it because I'm making money doing the thing that I love. So. That, 
is spectacular, just absolutely spectacular. Um, let's talk college. Uh, you are going to college. That's right, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Um, where will you be going? What will your degree be in? Uh, I'm going to go to Kansas State University, and I will be majoring in marketing. Okay. Why marketing? I actually realized that I liked marketing because of my photography business. Um, I love photography so much, but what I realized I like more than photography is being able to show people the best version of themselves and just like do things like scheduling and organizing and working with finances and working with marketing myself to potential clients. And yeah, I just kind of fell in love with the business side of it. So that's great. College has four pretty common purposes. And I'd like for you to say just a little bit about each one. In other words, like how important is each of these things to you? A lot of people will say college is primarily about return on investment. In other words, we go to college so that we can get a good paying job. We can get some bang for our buck. We're going to invest some money. We're going to get paid. Do you see college as a financial investment? I do, but I also believe that you do not have to go to college to be happy. And I believe that you can you can choose not to go to college and still find a really well-paying job and still be really successful. Um, for me, it is an investment uh, on my future income, but I also believe I could do it without it, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it does. I, I, I feel like I we've really, kind of outlined I that. Really, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. You first. I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think I think it, it is a good investment in the long run, and uh, I believe I do need a, uh, a degree for kind of the fields that I'm looking to go into, and I think marketing is important for that. And I think the classes in general will be really educational and will help me move farther in my field. So I think it'll be a good investment for me. Okay, okay. Now, second reason that a lot of people choose for college, a lot of people will say college is to become more well-rounded. The first reason is return on investment, but the second reason is what people used to call, and some still do, a liberal arts education, which is not meant to be politically liberal. It's really a 19th century term. It means that a person just embraces the arts and the sciences, philosophy and literature. They embrace these things for their own sake. Uh, they believe in splendid but useless knowledge. That is, you may never actually use Shakespeare. You may never actually cite, you know, something that Michelangelo did in your career, but you will just have this enriched life. Are you going to college in part to become a well-rounded liberal arts person, somebody who loves the arts and the sciences and philosophy and literature? Is this something you're trying to obtain? I definitely am a firm believer in being a well-rounded person. I think that's why during my high school and grade school years, I've done so many activities and stuff is because I love learning and being well-rounded. But I also believe like back to the like future investment thing. I believe being a well-rounded person, uh, like I, like I believe being a well-rounded person helps you more in, in the business field. So so yes, but not necessarily just to enrich my life, although it does do that, but B, 
because I think that will help me in my future career. Okay. In your mind, the two work off of each other and they play together with each other. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, a third reason some people go to college is they say they are going for the connections. You know, just the philosophy of it's not what you know, it's who you know. Are you going to college so that you can network? Yes. Honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons I'm going to college, um, especially in marketing and in the school of business. Networking is vital for um, for gaining job opportunities, uh, for working with other companies, for working with other people. And uh, that's honestly, I think, one of the big reasons. I'm actually, uh, I'm in a, a special scholars program that hopefully is, is dedicated to that. We actually have a class that is solely based on networking with, with companies that we could have future jobs with, just with uh, big people on the Kansas State University uh, campus. And yeah. How does that class work? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think they're going to tell us more about it. Um, but as part of the scholars program, we're taking, I'm taking leadership classes, entrepreneurship classes, and then I'm taking this networking class as well. So I think it'll teach us how to network and it also is going to bring us a lot of connections that we can use. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep me posted on that. I'm very curious about that. I want to know. Yeah. Okay, so the fourth reason a lot of people go to college is they simply want to have what they call the college experience. And college experience means different things to different people. I think for some people it means party. It means animal house. I think for other people it means some kind of a social life, but not necessarily like a wild life. Um, are you going to college for the college experience? Honestly, yes. But I think that I think that the college experience is yet another way that I can become a more well-rounded person. Like I, I want to be able to be around people with different views and opinions than me. Um, as someone who grew up from a Catholic grade school to a Catholic high school, um, surrounded by people that all have the same beliefs. I'm excited for the diversity and the opportunities that college will bring. And I think that, uh, I think that that's kind of what I view the college experience to be, but I also view that as an asset to marketing because then as I learn from other people, I'm able to learn how other people work and then I'm able to learn how to market to those people. Okay. So sum it all up. You are going to college because. I'm really excited for, the opportunity to be surrounded with a diversity of people. I'm excited to make connections so that I'm able to network in my future careers, but also just meet new people as the social butterfly and extrovert that I am. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to learn all of the skills that I think I'm going to learn. I'm excited for entrepreneurship. I'm excited for the leadership classes. Um, I'm excited to learn marketing. And I just think overall it'll be something that's, really good, really fun, and also just really good for me. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about how to think like a professional photographer. How do I do that? Um, I think, first of all, you want to make sure that you are, I guess, yeah, in the right mindset. Um, if you're thinking like a professional photographer, you are thinking about 
while, so while you're taking photos, you're thinking about things like composition. So in some of the basic classes, they'll teach you things like the rule of threes. So as, as a portrait photographer, it's making sure that the subject is in frame with um, the, the lines and corners of, of like the grid of a photo. Um, there's also a lot of it's very analytical and a lot of it's very creative. So it's being ready to get out of your comfort zone and to try new things and to take risks with photos. And if they don't turn out well, then you've got 600 more photos you can go through. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is just about being creative and being ready to learn. Okay, so creativity is very important. Why can't I just copy other people's ideas? You can if you want to. Um, there are a lot of studios. Um, one of the reasons I like shooting outside is because I'm always getting a new background and I'm always getting new variety. Um, if you want to uh, move into a niche of portrait photography that is more uh, based on like things like headshots, um, you are able to do that and you can just copy other people's ideas. And sometimes that is all a paying client wants. Now, if you really, really want to deepen your, your photography experience and mindset, and uh, you want people to really go to you as opposed to just anybody else who could all, you know, do the same job, then you choose to take creative liberties and do things like shoot outside or do things like shoot in a studio, but, but um, make it differently and be creative with that. So you, you really can, you can do both. Um, but I, I would highly recommend being creative. It's more fun. I guess what I'm hearing is this is a blend of creativity, but also learning technique. It's a blend of art and it's a blend of science. Yes. Okay. But if I want it to be more narrow than that, I certainly could. Let's shift over into a few other ideas. Um, what are your thoughts on avoiding college debt? I honestly really think that's important. And that was a really, really big um, factor in my college decisions, actually. I, uh, I went into applying for colleges and applying for scholarships saying I want to get out of college with not only no debt, but I want to get out of college and have comfortably enough money to be able to continue uh, where I'm at. So I applied for, <laughs> I applied for a lot of scholarships. Um, I, uh, was, I was blessed enough to receive uh, the presidential scholarship at K-State. Uh, that was one of the biggest reasons I went there. Um, so that's that's basically a full ride. And then I have uh, enough scholarships stacked on top of that uh, that I'm in a good position uh, to not only yeah, graduate without debt, but hopefully as long as I'm continuing my photography business and continuing other things, I'm able to be comfortable with where I'm at. Um, I believe that College is a good return on investment if you are getting enough scholarships and if you're working hard enough for that. Um, it's not a good return on investment if you are just going in, paying full price, and then not working as hard as you can work to gain those job opportunities uh, in the future. My, my theory is that anybody can get a scholarship if you take the time and work on applying to them. Like I applied for the, the Random Acts of Kindness Scholarship. I talked about, you know, giving flowers to someone on the street. Like it just, there's so many like 
scholarships that you don't have to have a certain GPA and you don't have to have a certain talent that you can do. It's just taking the time and effort to want to do them. Where did you uh, find your list of scholarships? A lot of different places. I don't think I had a specific list of scholarships. I think someone just would tell me about one and I would just apply for it. Um, You can look up some as well, but those are a little harder to get just because they, they don't really know you that well. Um, a lot of the scholarships that I that I received were from things in my community, um, people that could somehow be connected to me. So, like like the Knights of Columbus, or some like something in the Catholic community, or something um, with cross country, um, or something with St. James. Uh, or I I applied for one that was from a program that I did last fall. So that would be probably my best suggestion just because they know you better and then they are able to know your personality and like and know that you can be trusted and that you can like deserve a scholarship but um you can find them anywhere i mean there's there's thousands and thousands yeah there's just all kinds of books on amazon there's one called i think the 2021 ultimate guide to scholarships that has 1.5 million scholarships listed in it people could always do that there were a lot of them that I applied for that I didn't have to put any work towards and things like that. Probably, probably 25 maybe. Um, but there were, there were a lot of them that I applied for that I knew I probably wasn't going to get. They were just like fill out your name and your information and things like that. Um, but uh, I also had a list of like three really, really strong essays that I would modify based on the um, scholarship. Okay. You had three essays that you could mix and match. You ultimately yes. applied for about 25. And so I, I would say around, I'd, I'd probably lean more towards maybe maybe 15 to 25, I think is, is more right. But And for the most part, you kind of kept it local. Yes. I, I applied for I applied for a couple of them that I, I've never even heard back from. Um, but yeah, I kept it, I would say local. And I also, I mean, I applied for a couple extra ones at K-State. Nice. Well. nice. Well, I, I think that's good advice for people. Uh, keep it local. Have about three essays that you can mix and match. Um, just very, very good advice. Okay. Um, who are your role models in life or photography? I wish that I could just give you one big role model that's been like such a big part of my life. But I really, I really think that, <laughs> I really think that everyone is my role models in different ways. Um, my my parents are wonderful role models on how to um, live a strong faith and how to you know parent and, and raise children. Um, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that they're that they're role models in photography. <laughs> um, but I have wonderful photographers that have taught me so much as well. Um, I also think that the, the saints are really good role models uh, for me, uh, especially on being selfless and humility because I think that that's that's something that's so important that I, <laughs> I need to work on a lot. Um, but uh, they're such good examples of just how to like live selflessly and serve other people. Well, you're a runner too. Do you have a running role model? Oh, <laughs> I have a lot. Um, honestly, a lot of my friends are my running role models. I, I could say that they're famous people that inspire me, but... Um, I, I have some super, super talented running friends that are so good. 
and I feel like they inspire me so much about, um, yeah, how I can just be the best version of myself. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's say that you had a cousin or a, a friend's younger sibling and this person is maybe 14 years old and they come to you and they're just dazzled by the whole idea of photography and they're dazzled by you and by your work. <laughs> what advice would you give to this person for, I just want to get started this week? The first thing I would say is that it is all a learning process. There is not, there is not one moment where like you just become the, the best of the best photographer and, the, and then that's just it. Um, so I, I would say like the, the best way to like get started, um, I, I think that's sort of what you're asking. Yeah. Um, the best way to get started, um, would be to start figuring out if this is really what you want to do. And I would say not even by buying a camera first, but just by watching videos about photographers and from photographers just to kind of figure out, um, what all they do. Uh, Brandon, uh, waffle, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Um, he's got some really great, really short YouTube videos that are just sort of like what a day in the life of a photographer looks like and what a shoot looks like and things like that. Um, there's tons and tons of podcasts out there, um, that are just great to learn about photography. Um, there's also a really good book, um, that I, that I love to read. You can read it even if you've never had any photography experience, but it actually helped me a lot as a photographer, um, from the creative aspect. But, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. There's a whole bunch of books in this series, but the one I like is, uh, read this if you want to take great photographs or, um, there's also another one called read this if you want to take good pictures of people. And, um, it's by Henry Carroll or Carol. Um, and those books are just so good and a lot of fun to read. And they feature, uh, pictures from over 50 really famous photographers. So that's awesome. That is just absolutely awesome. Well, Sammy, this has been great. I really only have two other questions for you. Um, my second to the last question is what should I have asked that I didn't ask? Um, I don't know. I think, uh, I, you could, you could have asked a little bit more about, I guess, more on the business side of photography. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of advertising that goes into the business itself. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of, there's, there's a lot of, so there's advertising on Facebook and Instagram. There's advertising with posters and things like that. That's definitely been a learning process. And also, um, if you're really interested in starting a photography business, building your own website um, or, or paying someone to build it for you um, is another sort of vital step to uh, running a photography business and uh, being able to figure that out. Okay, that's a good one. Um, my very last question is this. Let's just fast forward to Sammy at the age of 100 years old. You are sitting on the front porch of your house and you are holding your loving husband's hand and you were just looking back on a great life. And I would just love to know what makes you happiest. I think the first thing that makes me happiest 
is knowing that I live every single inch, every single second of my life to the fullest extent that I could. I, I live my life very much with the mindset of say yes more than you say no. And people think I'm crazy when they hear about my schedule and how busy I am all the time and how many things I'm doing. Um, but I, I live my life being active, actively doing something in every moment, even if that's actively resting or actively praying or things like that. Um, I, I would be so happy if I looked back at my life, knowing that I took every single second of my life to just like be actively living and doing things the way I want to do them. Even if they're, even if they're out of my control, still doing, doing them because I'm choosing to do them and just, yeah, being active about that. And I also think it would be so fulfilling to look back on my life and know that like, I changed so many hearts and minds and that I made people happier. So, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful answer. Sammy Kopecki, thank you so much. I really appreciate you just taking the time to do this. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for interviewing me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Good, good. Well, we'll have to check back in maybe in about a year and see where the business is then. (laughs) I'm happy to do it. Okay, great, great. After I finished this interview with Sammy, she realized that she had more to say. She wanted to talk just a little bit about marketing her business, and also, she believes that she has mastered social media. Here are those bonus two segments. Make sure uh, when people are filling out their forms uh, to do senior photos with me, I have a little section that says, um, can I use your photos for advertising and things like that. Um, So I run a a photography Instagram. It's at Sammy K photography. You can also find that there's a link to that on my website and I post pretty consistently on there. And also when people post their senior photos on Instagram, then they will tag my business. And that's actually a really, really good way to spread the word about me because then those friends, uh, the friends of that person who are also looking for photographers will be able to see my name and keep me in mind. Um, I also use Instagram advertising, like through the Instagram company. I don't use that too much because it, it doesn't bring in as many clients as just like direct, um, direct people do posting about it, but I have used it a couple times and it's brought me in some clients. Um, and that sends it, I can give it like a location and I can give it a amount of people that it'll reach. And then I can give it like what those people's interests are. So that also allows me to broaden my spectrum and bring in some people who are in the Kansas City area, but maybe don't know me specifically. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Instagram primarily, Facebook, not very much. Any other social media sites? Um, My website is just like one of the biggest ones uh, as well. I would say the people that reach out to me, reach out to me the most um, through my website. I have a contact page on my website and that's probably where people reach out to me the most, but I also have people reach out to me through Instagram. Um, I have, like I said, yeah, I have a Facebook, um, account, but I don't post very often on it. Um, but I have, I also have a ton of other websites that I'm signed up for just so that people can find me. So like meetaphotographer.com or like 
photography in Kansas City, like things like that that I have just signed up for and put my profile on so that people can reach out to me. Are those free? Through that. Yes. Um, they mostly all cost money to have a premium account, but I just get the free account because that's all I really need. So. Do those generate any business for you? I have maybe had two clients from those, but I also haven't put a lot of time into them either. So, If a person only had time to do one, just one of these forms of advertising, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but what would you say? Definitely Instagram. Okay. And I would say you do not need to pay for paid advertising on Instagram. That's something that I do because... I have the flexibility to do that and I'm trying to gain more clients, but you can just start an Instagram account, start posting consistently and posting your best work. And that is like a mini portfolio for anybody to see. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So you feel like you've figured out social media. Yeah. I feel like I've learned how to, how to make a business profile look professional, look clean and just attract people to the page. So that's been I think so much of it is about brand. You want to make sure that your brand looks clean and it looks nice. And it's got lots of smiling pictures of people on it. And that's basically a little portfolio for anyone to see. What do you avoid on something like that? I know what to have, lots of smiling pictures, but what to avoid? Um, It's all about consistency. And uh, the thing is with a personal account, you can post whenever you want because it's just your friends. With a business account, you want to be posting consistently. Um, You don't want to post too often because then people won't follow you because they're not that interested in you. But you also don't want to never post because then people forget that you exist. Um, So it's all about consistency. And you also, like, I only post photos from shoots that I've done. I don't post photos taken on an iPhone. I don't post videos on my page. And I don't post photos taken by somebody else or bad quality photos. Um, and I try to include a variety of them so that it looks cohesive as a whole. And, um, also just making sure that my, my bio is very clean and concise and that it has links to all of the things it needs to, so that people can contact me just overall, making sure that it looks really clean and put together. Okay. And when I also hear that it all has to kind of fit together, I'm hearing that nothing should be off brand. Yes. That's another big thing, and that's another reason why my my projects section is in its own section, because uh, there is my my brand uh, sort of back to what I was talking about about keeping people laughing and happy and joyful. That's sort of my brand. My colors on my page are lots of yellows, lots of bright colors, um, and when I edit things, I I keep them as brighter and more colorful versions of the original photos. So a lot of photographers will put like a darker, moodier side onto it, or they'll make it a little bit more crazy and chaotic. And I just keep mine very, very natural and colorful and bright. And that's sort of my brand. So I don't, it's okay to take photos that aren't with that brand. Um, but I don't post any photos on my feed from the events that I do normally because the events are normally in dark rooms or um, like the sports photography, it'll be at nighttime. So it's just, it's a lot darker and it's a lot different and it's not as consistent with 
what I want my page to look like. So if events grew in your photography business, that sounds like a separate Instagram account. I could do that. Um, I, I think that you want to stick with one niche for one business. So if I wanted to start my own business, like just for events and for nothing else, I think I could do that. But it's hard to have more than one business that do very similar things. So what I'll do with my event stuff is I'll post it on my story that stays on for 24 hours. And then people are learning about all the different things that I'm doing. But if somebody has never seen me before and they pull up to my page, they can tell pretty much exactly what I do. And then as they go to my website, they can see all the different variety of things that I do. Fair enough. Um, let me ask a question about followers, because I don't know too much about this, but I've read a little bit about this, that there are people out there with a million followers, but they never make a dollar. They can never really monetize that. And then there's people out there with, you know, maybe 500 followers, and they're making $60,000 a year. And I'm just very curious as to where you land on the whole number of followers versus followers who pay idea. Um, my biggest thing is that it's not about how many followers you have. It's who the followers are that you have. Because my, my following, I would say, is mostly two sets of people. It's mostly either people that, like, have taken photos with me before or that want to take photos with me, like that are interested in taking photos with me and they're following me because they want to, they're interested in doing it and they want to keep remembering that I exist and like continuing to decide whether or not they want to take photos with me. And the other set is other photographers. So I love having other photographers following my Instagram, but they're bringing in no income for me. They're just people that are being inspired off of my ideas and are able to sort of use that as inspiration. Um, like I follow only photographers so that when I look through my feed, I have tons of ideas of what I can continue doing and trying. Um, but a lot of people that um, have, there's two sets of portrait photography. There's, there's portrait photography that is things like senior photos and family photos and headshots. And then there's portrait photography that's more like like modeling and weird outfits and weird, you know, designs and things like that and those ones look so much more creative and are very very like so much more inspiring um so those accounts tend to be followed by a lot of people who are looking for inspiration as opposed to people who are looking for some nice family photos to send out to their extended family or some nice senior photos that they can put on business profiles and job interviews awesome okay so yeah, it's the quality of the followers and what they're there for, not yeah. the number of the followers by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, and I do think um, there's something to be said about having at least... So for senior photography, you want someone that's going to be at least somewhat well-trusted. And so when you're looking at different photography accounts and you're deciding who's going to take your senior photos... If you find one that, you know, the photos look fantastic, but they only have like, you know, 50 followers, it, uh, it makes you a little more nervous because you're like, why, why don't they have more followers? Why don't they have more people interested? So I think that there's a certain threshold of followers that you 
probably have to pass to make yourself look a little bit more trustworthy. But after that point, it doesn't matter. Okay. What do you think that threshold is? Uh, probably at least, uh, it, it really depends. Maybe like 300 or 400, maybe. I think it, it, the more, the, the higher you gain in followers is the more, from a marketing perspective, the more impressive that you look to your clients, which again, doesn't make that big of a deal because it's more important to look at the quality of your photos, but it's something that can make a difference when they're determining between two photographers that look pretty good. And one of them has 3000 followers and one of them has 200. So it just, there's not really a threshold. It's just like the more that you gain, the more trustworthy you become in the eyes of that teenager that who has social media. Gotcha. Fair enough. And that concludes the excerpts that Sammy thought of after the fact. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seemingly Ordinary. Next Thursday, we'll have a brand new interview with an amazing person. See you then.